We're the same. We are not the same, because I would never do what you did. We are lost in a maze, so how do you get through it? She made us accomplices, Pudge. We have to live with that for the rest of our lives. How are you going to defend her? This tonight. Eternal sadness. You guys don't trust me? Something terrible is happening. It's not fair. You don't have a choice. It's the human condition. Ah! Even when your heart breaks, you have to find a way to keep living. Ah, this is too heavy for me. We better start. Gotta start the show! Welcome to Cord Killers, a show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm disaffected youth Tom Merritt. I'm Brian Brushwood, and that appeared to be a preview for a new Hulu. Is it a Hulu original? Is that right, Bryce? That's right. This is uh, Hulu's new Looking for Alaska coming October 18, based off the John Green book of the same name. Comedy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, that trailer's weird because that's from the end of the trailer. The first like 75% of it is all like, ooh, romance, teen love. Uh, okay. and, and then, then it gets the, super intense. And murder, probably. Uh, well, we're super intense because we're very excited to have our favorite Engadget employee, Nicole Lee, back on the show. How's it going? Huzzah! Uh, I'm happy to be here. There's no murder here, though. So um, That's I okay. All you keep, have to do looking, is say, keep looking. just talk yeah. in this kind of voice. Say, it's a <laughs> pleasure to be here on Cord Killers. Killers. Yes. Eventually. Yes, it is. Have you seen Alaska? I'm looking for Alaska. <laughs> also, in the meantime, we could check in on the primary target. <sighs> Promise we'll do the whole show that way. Um, hey, are you Netflix and the makers of some of your most popular library content like The Office and Friends are taking them back for their own competing services? No problem. You're made of cash. Just go buy the top library content from the studios who have decided not to create their own competing service and just profit on those of you who are. Uh, and I mean, of course, Netflix has reportedly struck a deal to get all 180 episodes of Seinfeld from Sony Pictures Television for five years starting in 20. 21. So Hulu's deal for Seinfeld ends in 2021. Amazon has the rights internationally. They won't have them internationally anymore after 2021 when Seinfeld moves to Netflix. Yay! Netflix is saved, Brian. This is, forgive me for saying, a pretty shabby Band-Aid. Like, it's at <laughs> least something to binge that fills that it's roughly the same shape as the office plus friends-sized hole in everybody's heart, but not really. I I don't know that this is going to be the quick fix that everybody would like to believe. Nicole? Is it is it a quick fix? Like, I don't... <laughs> I mean... It's not the same thing. I agree. It's not the same show. Like, it's not the same show. I mean, it's, it is, it's a show. That you Here's can where it is a show. We can all agree on that. <laughs> uh, it's a show about nothing. We can all agree on that. Uh, yeah. here's, here's the thing. I think the whole Netflix is losing friends and it's in trouble thing is so overblown. I've talked about that oh, on the okay. show before. Uh, I also don't think most people think Seinfeld's going to save Netflix. I was, of course, being tongue-in-cheek. But I do think this points the way to why Netflix isn't just going to be HBO soon, right? Like that would be one possibility is, well, Netflix will just rely on its originals and it won't have any library content because everybody will keep it for themselves. Fact is, not everybody's doing a streaming service and Sony Pictures is one of them. Will Seinfeld save Netflix? Of course not. Uh, Seinfeld's popular, but it doesn't have that weird appeal to millennials that that Friends seems to have. Uh, it's not as new and relevant still as, as maybe The Office is. But I do think, in all seriousness, 
that this shows that, well, Netflix is not going to have no library content. It it has a lot of money. And for the library content that isn't owned by the people making their own streaming stuff, it will be able to get whatever it wants, I think. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I mean, you got to have something on there. What, uh, what they're structurally doing is part of the appeal. Yes, it was a, a timing and a generational thing to the office. But there's also that bliss that comes from only make the decision once. I'm going to go through that whole back catalog again. And then for six whole weeks, you get the ecstasy of never once having to decide anything. What am I going to watch? I know another episode of The Office. And I do believe that even though it's a different flavor, I believe Seinfeld will grant that. And a lot of people are going to jump on it. Uh, I think that you are correct that the perception that that Friends or The Office is the glue holding together Netflix was totally overblown. But I do believe that this is an indication that they understand that people want to binge very big, very long running properties. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they started digging up some old weird stuff like, you know, I don't know, it probably there's, I don't know who owns it, but like MASH or uh, I think Cheers is on there. Is that right? Or uh, Cheers is on oh. Netflix, but also on Hulu right now. So that's a oh, non-exclusive because right. I think CBS owns the rights to Cheers. Yeah, I think that there's something to the uh, the bliss of just a long runway before you have to make another decision. That that is what they're really trying to satisfy here. Yeah, I, th I yeah. think what we're I think what we're going to see here is more of these kinds of deals coming to Netflix from. Yeah, Sony's got Crackle, but they're not trying to turn Crackle into a a huge competitor. They'd rather cash that check uh, from Netflix and Lionsgate. Uh, there's other companies out there that aren't you know, Warner Media or or Disney and, and they they have some catalogs. So expect them to continue to have that. Plus CBS it doesn't make exclusive deals for their back catalog. That's why Cheers is on uh, Hulu and Netflix. So they'll continue to have that stuff as well. I just had a weird thought. This is a random speculation moment, but do you think we ever see a day when somebody when let's say a Netflix, if not actually Netflix, is able to buy the entire run of a certain YouTube channel and get them to pull out of YouTube. So the only way to watch all of them, something that's evergreen and bingeable, something hmm. like we've talked about it before that the, 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 the Kurz guest. Yeah, I wonder why this odd thought came to you, Brian. Uh, well, I mean, obviously that's, that's what I strive to make, but I, I and can't, how much would they pay? <laughs> I can't imagine ever doing such a thing at this point, but I wonder if somebody else could, oh, if the check was big enough. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 I don't know if you've seen this, uh, Hulu now has like, BuzzFeed or Tasty's videos. Oh, yeah. So so they've got these like season versions of the shows that are just within Hulu within all the other stuff. I mean, Scan School a long time ago was on Hulu because yep. of, of another partner deal. So I I it would have to be a big thing and Buzz the those Tasty videos are big. What? And if that even that's not enough to try to get some sort of exclusive thing. And there is there is precedent. Remember that there's an awful lot uh, for example Freakonomics Radio in the podcast world you see this all the time. Freakonomics Radio the RSS feed only goes so far back. Beyond that, the only way to access the whole back catalog is to get a Stitch Stitcher Premium uh, uh subscription. Same thing with um Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, the RSS feed only goes so far back. Mm -hmm. After that, you have to pay a dollar and everything uh, per episode, and it's all behind the the the, the paywall. The paywall, yeah. So I, I, it's not the craziest idea out there, but that would be fairly extraordinary. I was just thinking about the the thing you said about uh, Hulu having those exclu not exclusives, but having like things from BuzzFeed, like uh, not just Tasty, but Unsolved, and I think some other BuzzFeed entity, I think called Worth It or something. So it's not unusual, but the to be fair, though, those BuzzFeed 
shows on YouTube were already pretty. They were like TV quality kind of shows to begin with. You know, if you're trying, you're trying to say yeah. it's not like just, just not, not just some, some some random YouTube channel. Um, so that has to be taken into account. And uh, honestly, I think the Seinfeld thing is. I don't think it'll, it'll quote unquote save Netflix or anything, but. It's good to have, and it's like you said. I mean, this opens the door for other series, like I don't know, a Cheers esque kind of series of the same vein. Yeah, yep. yeah. Well, it just shows that those deals aren't gone just because right. Disney Plus and HBO Max came along. Yeah. Uh, you know what also isn't gone? Your opportunity to support this show directly, bypassing all middlemen. Yeah, man. Can we can we can we squash some rumors? I was walking down the street the other day. Some other dude says, my condolences. I was like, for what? You're like, well, I mean, I heard that I'm not allowed to contribute to cord killers anymore. I said, who are you? And he said, shh. And he put his finger on my lips and he whispered into my ear and he says, oh. Patreon is gone. It does not exist anymore. And I was like, are you sure about that? And I started to feel yeah. really bad because that's how we make all our money on this show. And I, I sure enough, I pulled out my phone. I went to patreon.com slash cord killers. No. And, and I saw over 1,300 individual patrons still keeping us loud live and independent and i said this guy is full of nothing he's a big, big fat liar and i looked up to shout at him and he had turned into an eagle and flew away yeah i mean a lot of people do that they turn into <laughs> eagles and fly away uh you can't pay attention to what they say folks and so if an if a, if a man eagle comes up to you and says hey it's too late to support cord killers i know patreon still exists apparently but you should have supported it five years ago just be like man eagle go away it's not too late i want to start supporting cord killers right now and i'll yes. be just as welcome as anybody else and then as the eagle flew away even i even shook my fist at said dang it plus also you get your own rss feed you get early access to spoiler in time and our after talk bet you didn't think about that man eagle and then he pooped in my eye i didn't like that part yeah no uh so to prevent that from ever happening to brian again please support us at <laughs> patreon.com slash cord killers now how to watch uh let's all uh raise our glass uh to one of the Best long-running segments of Cord Killers. It kept us entertained all the way back into the frame rate days, to be honest. Uh, but Movie Pass is no more. We'll pour a little mm. out. No, I'll Pass. pour a little bit down my throat. How about that? <laughs> mm. Oh, you movie know what? Movie Pass announced Friday it was shutting down on Saturday, which it did. Uh, apparently, because efforts to recapitalize Movie Pass have not been successful to date. <laughs> Something, to be fair, we thought we were going to hear more than a year ago. So maybe it's not a surprise, but it's a surprise that it took this long. Uh, parent company Helios and Matheson are considering a sale of some or all of the MoviePass assets. Uh, remember, beyond just MoviePass, they also own MoviePhone. Uh, and they started MoviePass Films at one point. Uh, subscribers had declined from a peak of 3 million members down to 225,000 as of April 2019. Wow. So uh, you know what? For all of MoviePass's chicanery and hilarity and impressive ability to stay funded uh, over the course of these many, many months, they definitely reshaped the landscape of movie ticket buying. We have tons of theaters with subscription plans now. All right, number one, I do appreciate that the people in the chat are pressing F to show their respects. Uh, but second of all, now I realized... <laughs> Now that I think about it, Man Eagle definitely said Movie Pass and not Patreon. I'm so sorry wow, that I misheard that. that. Man Eagle was right. Movie Pass! <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it's remarkable that they lasted as long as they did. And uh, as often happens, if not this particular company, certainly the idea of what they represented uh, lives on. We're seeing all these uh, you know, particular movie chains doing their version of it. There clearly is a space for some kind of all you can eat or a lot of what you want to eat monthly fee that people are willing to pay <laughs> yeah. uh, for, for movies. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the, this certainly has had an effect. Uh, I will always remember MoviePass as that crazy idea that we never got tired of talking about. Uh, Nicole, what's your favorite MoviePass memory? Uh, my favorite MoviePass memory is that I heard about it on in passing, and by the time I heard about it, it was over. <laughs> uh, and nobody was on yeah. it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, good times, good times. Bryce, good what times. about you? I, oh man, okay, I have a really great experience. <laughs> So I, uh, you, when you do the movie pass, you can do the regal points. You get the regal point cards. So you mm -hmm. get all your points. Oh, that's right. You were, you were, you were gaming the system. I was, I, I think I'm still like Ruby level on, on the, on the regal thing. So I had gotten a free ticket with points to go see something and I was going with a friend. So, cause you have so the movie pass, you don't really need to show like your ID or anything, but I did have to have my phone to do the thing. So I like you're Anthony Castillo. <laughs> And then I'm just gonna hit the oop, just let me hit my free ticket over here. Uh, and so I got two free movies uh, instead of one. And day. you you got all the points. And I still got all the points. I racked up all the frequent flyer miles for all the free flights. We I even, got a lot of small popcorn upgrades. We, we even had one of our <laughs> listeners write in explaining like uh, that he was booking tickets to movies he did not bother to oh, go yeah, see. Oh yeah, he'd go on his lunch break. It's, or, or he would go mm -hmm. just, to, just to ring in mm -hmm. and then he got a billion points from the local chain. Which is why they started doing the photo validation yeah. stuff. Uh, and J.C. Calhoun remembers that one bright, shining summer that he got his money's worth out of MoviePass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, good times. Good times. Uh, well, it was almost a week ago. Remember, we mentioned that Apple was having its announcement on Tuesday, the day after we record Cord Killers, and they did. And they announced that Apple TV Plus, Brian, will launch November 1st for $4.99 a month. That includes your family. It's a family plan. What do you think? Four ninety nine a month. I think that I will never pay four ninety nine a month because every time you buy a major bit of equipment hardware from uh, Apple, you get a year free. Pretty sure, as somebody who upgrades his iPhone every year, I will never pay for Apple TV Plus. And I'm betting that sooner or later, I'm gonna like something on there. So while I've been saying it as a joke for ten freaking years, I think actually. It's going to be great. <laughs> New iPhone, iPad, Apple TV. iPhone, iPad, Apple TV purchases give you a free year of Apple TV+. Plus. I love that you have just pivoted. It's going to be great without changing a word from a, a mocking sentiment of disbelief to a supportive sentiment of thank you for all the free content. I mean, it's Apple. literally going to be free to me and my family forever. And like free, the F word's a very compelling uh, argument. Like, uh, this is great. Nicole, what do you think of this price point? Uh, that's a killer price point. You know, five dollars. Not only not only is it five dollars a month for the whole family, or whatever. It is, as you say, free with purchase. That's just like, that's 
Like, hard why to beat. wouldn't you? It's hard it? to beat free. The only thing that'd be better is if they <laughs> they paid you a dividend for every they paid you a <laughs> yeah. dollar for every show you watched. <laughs> they paid you to watch it. So, so here's my take on this, and it's really no different than it was last week on Daily Tech News Show. Uh, this is what they have to do to compete, and I don't I don't believe when people are like, oh, Apple TV Plus taking on Disney. I don't think they're trying to take on Disney. I don't think they're trying to take on Netflix. I think what they want is people in their ecosystem buying Netflix and Disney Plus, right? They they want to sell channel subscriptions because Apple is pivoting from being a hardware company to a service company. If you're a service company, you need to make money off your services. This is a plan that drives hardware acquisition, right? It's very cheap uh, at $4.99 a month, uh, and it comes free with hardware. My feeling is this is a way to just drive more people into the ecosystem and say, Apple TV Plus is not the service we're going to make money off of. Taking a 30% a cut of your HBO, CBS, et cetera, subscription is where we're going to make the money. So this is going to be our loss leader in services going forward. Uh, Bob Iger has stepped down as, uh, from the board of, of yeah. Apple, and a lot of people are making a big deal about out of that. I think they're getting it wrong. I don't think Bob Iger stepped down because Apple is launching Apple TV Plus as a competitor. I think Bob Iger stepped down because he's like, oh, you're going to be the platform. I'm going to want Disney Plus on that platform, and it's not really a good idea for me to know what's going on on the platform because someone will accuse me of some kind of insider information if Disney Plus gets a sweeter deal. So let me just remove myself from this entire situation. I, I think that makes sense. It's a little bit of comp competitive concern, but it's, I think it's just a wider, like, this is not, one of your customers shouldn't be on the board for the company that's running the service. So the question of like, does it make sense to create a top quality content network and give it away for free to anyone who buys a laptop sounds weird, but not as weird as doing the exact same thing to anybody who pays $70 a year for free shipping, which is exactly what Amazon yeah, right. Prime did. Prime. And we watched Amazon Prime going from a distant third or fourth tier network to being second only to Netflix. So there's no reason that we can't expect the exact same thing from Apple. I think my only the the I completely hear what you guys are saying. I think my only sort of like hesitancy, if there is any, is still like even if something is free, doesn't mean I'll watch it. I don't, I don't know. Like it needs it still needs to be kind of good. Well, here's me, what, like, here's what I suspect you know will what I mean? happen. You will hear you'll see one think piece about how some Apple original and they're they're again they're also borrowing a play a play from the Netflix playbook where it's like they're casting a very wide net doing a lot of originals banking on a lot of talent and the odds are very good that out of this you know giant wide field of originals one of them is going to be very very good and it's going to get a lot of buzz and then because guess what you already have uh, Apple TV Plus for free because my guess is you've bought at least one Apple device at some point in the last year you're going to you're going to be curious. You're going to get in and you're going to find yourself in the ecosystem. And if you're not in the ecosystem, there is the Apple TV app on Samsung TVs. Uh, there, there is the ability to airplay uh, from devices. So let's say yeah. you're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't have an Apple TV, but I do have an iPhone. Uh, they're putting airplay in more devices. So uh, it is more limited. If you're, if you're someone who's like, I just don't own an Apple product, it's going to be difficult for you to watch this stuff. But that's part of what Apple wants. They want you to get an Apple product so that you will watch the thing and stay and buy all their apps and iCloud, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Now, speaking of Disney Plus, uh, it has launched in the Netherlands uh, in a preview. 
So you don't have to pay for it until November 12th when it launches fully. But if you're Dutch, uh, you get an early look. Now, it doesn't have the content like The Mandalorian there. Uh, it's mostly just existing movies and, and TV shows. It's the back catalog for the most part. But it's 4K Ultra HD. Uh, it's in there. You get to tool around and, and try the menus. It's a good chance for Disney Plus to, to kind of take this on a trial run at a smaller scale, but at some kind of scale. Uh, and then November 12th, it'll launch uh, in the Netherlands for pay, uh, 6.99 euros uh, per month, as well as U.S. and Canada, and then it hits Australia and New Zealand on November 19th. So at first, I was going to ask all the listeners, "Hey, man, if anybody's in the Netherlands, do me a favor, open up that National Geographic tab and let me know if uh, if a certain show about hacking systems is on that catalog somewhere." And then it occurred to me, "Oh, wait, if only I could teleport to the Netherlands and open an account." <laughs> so maybe I'll teleport to the Netherlands. You know, I tried visiting the Netherlands this week. <laughs> oh, you did? Uh, and uh, that website wouldn't let me log in uh, or create an account. Huh. Oddly. So I wasn't sure if the trial was just over or if it was like, I don't know if you're really in the Netherlands, Tom. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't tell. For sure. it, it it does sound seem as though uh, a, a totally separate story. You know, I heard that uh, many websites are able to recognize whether or not you're on a VPN or not, because there's a number well, of servers that are. When I was way. back in the United States, I went to the same URL and got an entirely different page. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm to tell. Uh, all right, let's talk about what to watch in Under Surveillance. It's all about location, location, location. Under Surveillance. Deadline has a source saying that HBO is close to approving a pilot for a show based on George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood book. That is not a Song of Ice and Fire book, but it tells the history of House Targaryen from A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, this series would take place 300 years before the events of Game of Thrones, written and executive produced by Ryan Condal, who has worked on Colony. Deadline says it's similar to the prequel idea Brian Cogman developed, but Cogman confirmed back in April that that one wasn't going forward. So apparently they shifted it uh, and, and made it based on Fire and Blood particularly, which I don't think Cogman's was. I honestly can't tell if I'm just burnt out because the last season of uh, Song of Ice and Fire was just so rushed or or simple or not not as fulfilling, or maybe I'm just a little bit politics and dragoned out, but I have virtually donut <laughs> interest in this. Nicole, what about you? Yeah, I maybe because maybe because of the what happened in the past few seasons of Game of Thrones, like I'm just not interested in the prequel. Yeah, um, it, I, I would have to learn know more about it, but it's not not, not very interested in the prequel. Yeah, and, and I I don't mean to sound dismissive here, but I I think right, also right. the last two years of actual politics has made me not I I've lost the excitement for cutthroat politics. There's there's it's not mm. fun or exciting or fanciful anymore. It's not it, it, it's so it strikes you no longer as wow. Imagine if the world was like that. Yeah, <laughs> and instead it literally <laughs> is like that, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Uh, well, I, that's interesting. I feel the same where I'm like, I'm not as excited about this as I would have expected me to be. I, I sort of attributed it to there's just too much good stuff to watch right now. So I'm not dying yeah. for something. And maybe if I see a trailer with a bunch of dragons, uh, I'll, I'll get excited again. Who knows? 
Yeah, maybe. Variety sources confirmed that the King Killer Chronicles television series, based on the Patrick Rothfuss books with Lin Manuel Miranda on board, if you don't remember, is not going forward at Showtime. Lionsgate TV is the producer, though, and so it is apparently shopping it around now. Uh, if you remember, this TV series is set a generation before the events of the first novel, so it's not going to outrun the novels because there's still a third one coming from Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, but it's also not going to be on Showtime, which could just be what's going on at Showtime uh, more than anything. The fact that Lionsgate TV is still out there shopping it. I'm curious if somebody picks this up. I think it would be, uh, I, I guess HBO is certainly cozied up with uh, Game of Thrones related content and George R. R. Martin. So it does make sense that you'd go to a different network like Showtime. Mm -hmm. uh, Stars might be a fine fit for it. Yeah, uh, Lionsgate uh, owns, right? A AMC would be fantastic, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, our, I can see Amazon or Netflix or Hulu. Yeah, I, I, of course. Yeah, all, all the over-the-top yeah. networks. Uh, are, are you confident in this? Would, would this be new story? Uh, spoiler alert: uh, the books take place kind of in a current time, but they're mainly somebody talking about a previous generation. So when it says a generation before, is it a generation before the generation before? Before the events of the first novel and the first novel's events are mostly the flashback. Right. So a generation the, before from, the flashback. So I think it's before the flashback, which okay. would be the parents uh, and things going on. So, so we'd learn about we, we'd see the Adima Rue and we'd see them touring yeah, and having yeah, adventures exactly. and that I stuff. I feel okay. like that's probably what we're going to get. Yeah, but, I could live uh, with that. Man, if you got Lin-Manuel Miranda on board uh, of a beloved best-selling novel-based series, somebody's going to want to pay for this, I'm sure. I mean, plus also, King Killer Chronicles is poised to really launch into the public consciousness because it's straight-up adult Hogwarts. It's Harry Potter, like, at, with, with grown-ups and people having sex. It's uh... Although that's not what we're getting in the television series. Correct, but that franchise, that world, yeah, that, that yeah. essence, I think, is going to resonate very well with, with the, the folks who grew Even up on Harry so Potter. You're right. Because yeah. it well, because it's another world. Uh correct. JJ uh, Abrams Bad Robot has signed a five-year deal with Warner Media for film and TV. Uh, it's an exclusive deal that also includes video games and digital content. Abrams will honor his pre-existing deals, so the stuff he's got going on with Paramount and Lucasfilm will continue. Uh, but it's unclear if he'll be able to go direct for other studios in the future or not. Uh, Bad Robot will also be able to sell to third-party suppliers. Uh, so there is a little wiggle room in there to to create a show and and ship it off to somebody else. But uh, basically, it's a coup for Warner Media to to lock up Bad Robot and JJ. Yeah, and they desperately need names. I mean, they're leaning so hard on on running the HBO brand into the ground. You might yeah. as well run JJ Abrams' name down on the ground too while you're at it. <laughs> Well, remember, this isn't just about a brand. This is about him making movies for Warner Brothers, television series for HBO Max, HBO, TNT, etc. Like, it's it's a lot of different things that come out of Bad Robot. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what kind of original stories that Abrams tells for Warner Brothers films more so than anything, to be honest. The Muppets Live Another Day, which was supposed to pick up from the 1984 movie Muppets Take Manhattan, has been shelved by Disney+. Plus. Now, don't Get confused. This is not the same as Muppets Now, which they announced at the launch of Disney Plus. Uh, that's the unscripted format. That's still coming in 2020 at Disney Plus, uh, and it's a short form series. 
Muppets Live Another Day is a different series that was coming from Josh Gad, Adam Horowitz, and Eddie Kitsis, uh, the last two of Once Upon a Time fame. Music had been composed by Bobby Lopez and Kristen Lopez, and it was to be directed by Jason Moore of Avenue Q and Pitch Perfect fame. Uh, but apparently there were creative differences with the studio. The studio wanted to go one direction, and the producers wanted it to go another, so they just called it all off. Uh, if you're feeling sad, then console yourself by watching the amazing Defunct Land documentary on Jim Henson. Uh, that'll that'll give you a good three hours of, of joy. And you're still getting Muppets now, uh, which yeah. granted is different, short form, but... Uh, the first actual look at a full Apple TV Plus offering was the premiere episode one of Dickinson starring Haley Steinfeld, which showed at the Tribeca TV Festival on Saturday. I feel like we, we've dropped the ball by not sending Brian to the Tribeca TV Festival on Saturday. <laughs> uh, a new song from Haley Steinfeld called Afterlife will be released on September 19th this week uh, in promotion of the launch of the series Dickinson coming to Apple TV Plus. Now we know November 1st. Cool. Uh, so when we talked earlier about some TV show getting buzz, Nicole, this is kind of the 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 kind of thing that Apple TV would, Plus would want to see, right? Yes, I guess. I I know. <laughs> I I heard about Dickinson. I saw the trailer. Uh, every part of my being was just like, I am not sure about this show. This seems a little bit too modern hip hoppy for what was a kind of a depressed poet um so it was a very i don't know very weird vibes <laughs> and i wasn't sure about what it'll end up looking like uh but grain of salt i don't know i don't know i don't know the whole story so we'll see <laughs> yeah well they are trying to uh to rehabilitate Dick emily dickinson's yeah. uh reputation so maybe that's on purpose that she's not all no depressed. i understand yeah. Just, uh, uh, all right. Bunch of notes. Bunch of notes. Whoopi Goldberg is going to star in uh, The Stand on CBS All Access uh, as the self-proclaimed prophet of God who's immune to the virus. And the rumor is Alexander Skarsgård has been cast to play Randall Flagg. Sterling K. Brown's Washington Black, telling the story of George Washington Black, an 11-year-old field slave on the Barbados sugar plantation, has got a script commitment from Hulu. His Dark Materials will air on BBC Sunday, November 3rd and on HBO Monday, November 4th. A reboot of the 1980s kids series Ghost Rider about a ghost that releases fictional characters from a bookstore into the real world will premiere on Apple TV Plus at launch November 1st. Netflix has cast Sweden's Adam Paulson as Young Wallander in the series Young Wallander alongside Argo's Richard Delane and Black Mary's Leanne Best. Uh, Netflix is developing the drama A Time Lost based on an original story by Millie Bobby Brown and her sister Paige Brown. Yep, that Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. Uh, the sisters will also produce the show as well. It's about a Long Island teenager diagnosed with cancer, fueling a feud between families. HBO Max ordered its first unscripted series. One of them, Legendary, is about uh, voguing. It's a fashion and dance competition. And The Greatest Space is the other one. That's an interior design competition. Both got straight to series 10 episode orders. Uh, Warner Brothers has optioned the rights to Funko figurines. And Warner Animation Group is developing and producing an animated film. At the Creative Arts Emmys, Jane Lynch mentioned that she and Cindy Lauper are starring in a Netflix comedy that she called a kind of Golden Girls for Today uh, writer and comedian Carol Liefer is apparently also working on it. Liefer used to work on Seinfeld. And finally, The Good Place returns September 26th, and NBC is offering six digital shorts 
featuring the demon Sean. He's played by Mark Ivan Jackson. Uh, it's in the NBC app if you want to watch it called The Selection, just kind of loosely bridging the gap between last season and this one. Man, so much, so much happening. Uh, obviously, most excited about The Good Place. Can't wait for that to happen. I don't know that I'll watch those shorts just because I, it's just going to whet my appetite even more. Uh, but the uh, uh, that that Jane Lynch, Cindy Lauper thing sounds fantastic. Uh, those are two fantastic talents that I bet I wouldn't be surprised if they just have complete electric chemistry. Well, and and if you see, um, oh shoot, what's the name of the the Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, uh, Netflix series uh, that's going on? Going oh, Frankie away. and Grace. Frank, Grace Frankie and Frankie. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you if you see that going away and you're like, we need something for that audience, that's super smart for Netflix. Yep. Uh, also, I'm provisionally going to be excited about Whoopi Goldberg as uh, is it right. Mother Abigail. Is that is that her name? Um, yeah, that that can work. Uh, that that'll be interesting. Anything catch your eye in these notes, Nicole? Uh, no, I, I don't know if you guys saw the, the Paul Rudd trailer. I don't know if that was old news or not old news or something, but uh, we can talk about that later, I suppose. Paul Rudd trailer? There's a Paul Rudd trailer for a, for a new Netflix uh, movie. Living with yourself? It's Paul Rudd versus Paul Rudd. Ah, Paul Rudd versus Paul Rudd. All right, cool. And, uh, and that, was, that was interesting to me. So. Cool. Well, let's talk about what you've actually been so interested in that you've watched it, uh, Nicole. What, what's been? What have you had your eyes on? Uh, it's kind of in, it's kind of uh, I guess serendipity that you mentioned the Good Place because they're returning September twenty sixth. Because um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago that uh, I watched the whole freaking thing in like a couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, I watched literally season one to season three, because oh, it was all, it was on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. So I watched season is. one to like season, yes, season one, season two, and then I had to like wait like a week for for season three to come on Netflix, and then I watched the whole of that. We watched the whole of that together, me and my husband, and um, I, in, in, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the new season, but I'm almost dreading it because it was so good to just watch it one after the other. Yeah. Uh, and just like watch it all in a row and see it all resolve in in like you know the two or three year span and. Uh, I don't. I don't know if my patience can take it, but I, I am looking forward to the new season. Definitely. I mean, I'll tell you what. Uh, maybe your patience can't take it, but I know for sure you won't be able to handle the rest of the world talking about each episode week after oh, week yeah, after week totally. and not watching it. Eileen's catching yeah. up on these too, and I'm curious if she's going to end up catching up by September 26th. At which point, I will have to wait to watch The Good Place with her. No. <laughs> oh, Tom. No, I've been free of that for all three seasons, you know. Tom, look, I'm not one to support infidelity, but no, I know. I, I do know. believe Trust a man me. is only so strong. Our our marriage is strong enough to make it through this challenge, but you know. I mean, maybe maybe you could uh, have a bit more of an open relationship for extenuating circumstances. I plead. I have to watch. I had to watch it for work. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they're definitely worth watching again, right? Like I'm never gonna. Oh yeah, like yeah, it's, uh, yeah, like. For some reason, I, I just never got on that train for whatever reason, and I just got on the train literally a month or two ago, and it's a joy to binge. Just, just one after the other, like it's like popcorn, it's like snacking. Yeah, yeah. It's a joy. Absolutely. Uh, Brian, what have you had your eyes on? Uh, you know, I continue to show my daughter some of the classics from when I was younger, and uh, I was listening to a podcast where somebody was saying that um, The Hunt for Red October holds up 
And uh, sure enough, it does. Although I must, it is weird uh, to explain to my kid what the Cold War was and why you should be afraid of the Russians in a very real way and what it was like for a society to be on the brink of nuclear war at all times. But it's interesting because I remember when I was younger watching that movie, it felt like a bunch of surprises and machinations and it felt like this deep, rich, complex story. But now that I know more about storytelling and that uh, the Cold War is a distant memory, it is a shockingly simple story and a shockingly short one, too. It's like uh, dudes want to steal a sub. They do. The end. You know? <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's funny. Uh, it, it's funny how time changes your perceptions of a lot of these things for, for many reasons, and, uh, including that. Uh, I've been watching Arthdal Chronicles, which is a the second six-episode run uh, of a series from TVN in Korea. Uh, it's sometimes called the Game of Thrones of Korea because it's about tribal cultures in the distant past. Uh, and they have these these uh, these race called the Neanderthals, which are basically saying, well, we couldn't call them Neanderthals because that would hem us in on the story too much because we want to make them have uh, purple blood and, and be really strong. Uh, but they're essentially like this race uh, of 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 similar to humans, but not humans that have been wiped out or have they? Uh, and the crossbreed between the Neanderthals and the humans are called Igutus and they are uh, prejudiced and hunted, but there's also some prophecies. Uh, and there's this one guy trying to become a king of Arthdal, and Arthdal's always been a union. Uh, so it's, you know, machinations, political stuff, uh, but in, in an ancient land, uh, without dragons. And uh, it's pretty fun. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. And I'm really curious because they release two episodes every weekend, uh, how they're going to wrap this up in the last two episodes next weekend. The episodes are usually more than an hour. They're very long, sometimes close to an hour and a half. But um, but yeah, they've got a lot, a lot of ground to cover next week. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Hey, Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, we got a uh, K-drama pick from Nikki. Nikki writes, hi, guys of the cord killing. I hope your Labor Day holiday went well. My holiday was awesome for one simple thing. The conclusion of Hotel de Luna, a K-drama streamed on Vicky. I don't know if it's free as if I as I have the standard pass. I'm telling you uh, that it's worth the payment of just a month or using the free trial. The story is about a woman revolutionary who is out for vengeance and slaughters those who have wronged her. Despite the death of uh, those that have done her wrong, her soul is still in turmoil. She she crosses paths with a god and finds herself cursed to be the innkeeper of a hotel. But not just any hotel, but that which houses the spirits of those who are not yet ready to cross over to the other side. In true fashion, it's a romantic comedy with great story and development from the characters. It is a strong lead character and the cast is great to watch. The side stories uh, of those passing through the hotel are an interesting watch as well. There are twists and turns and oh my goodness, there are tears. If you don't cry while watching some of these stories, I don't know what to tell you. This is a must watch. Thank you for the great show. Thank you, Nikki. Yeah, Hotel de Luna is streaming on Viki V I K I for free with ads or ad free with their Viki Pass standard plan. There are 16 hour, they're like hour 15 uh, episodes that are streaming now. The final two, as we're of this as of this recording, are only for Viki Pass standard users. But in a few more days, they'll be open to the public with ads. Uh, this sounds charming and delightful, mm -hmm. but uh, what what the audio listeners aren't seeing are the the visuals are very rich. It's very well delightful shown. cinematography, uh, the, the costume design. I mean, it looks looks amazing. And Tom, you actually, I didn't realize this until we got to the other to talk today. You actually, you this was what you were talking about last week on the show, right? Yeah this this was uh, this was something I mentioned last week because. Hotel Del Luna is on TVN in Korea, and its time slot 
uh, gave way to Arthdahl Chronicles, which is, you may have noticed that the time is about the same uh, for these. So uh, yeah, Arthdahl Chronicles is on Netflix, Hotel Del Luna on Vicky. But man, it, it it's really satisfying to hear that Nikki liked this too. Very validating. And Brian, I'm glad you got to see a bit of the trailer this week because it really is beautiful. Uh, the stories are great. They have a, a bit of a ghost story every week, but as long, well as the, the full story arc uh, about uh, the hotel owner. And I, I fully recommend it unless you just can't do subtitles and don't speak Korean. Uh, I would I would absolutely go check this out, uh, especially once it's all available streaming for free. Uh, the the lead woman that plays the owner of the hotel is IU. She's a K-pop star uh, and, and her acting chops are impressive, I have to say. That's awesome. Yeah. If you got something we should be on the lookout for, email us cordkillers at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I do other shows. Yeah, Cord Killers isn't uh, my entire life. It's uh, it's a big part of it. But every day uh, in the afternoon, we stream live and make available as a podcast, The Daily Tech News Show. Uh, and we are changing our rewards. If you have never thought about supporting Daily Tech News Show, now's the time to go check out the new rewards. They go up on October 1st. Uh, we've got a post up detailing what they are, but there's some really cool new stuff involving merchandise and art from Len Peralta. Uh, if you want to support independent tech news directly, there's no big corporation behind it. It's just me, Sarah, and Roger. Go check it out at patreon.com slash DTNS. All right, let's move on to the front lines. Front lines. 97-year-old Norman Lear became the oldest Emmy winner in history when live in front of a studio audience, Norman Lear's All in the Family and the Jeffersons took the Emmy for Outstanding Variety Special Live. Of course, Lear credited Jimmy Kimmel for the idea. He also thanked farmers and ranchers for, for keeping him neutrified. Uh, he, he said it better than I just did. Uh, and he said, uh, well, I think Kimmel said in the, in the backstage that they plan on doing this again in December on ABC. Man, if you want to hear Norman Lear being still sharp as a tack at the age of, I think he was 95 at the time, listen to his interview uh, with Dan Harmon on Harmontown. Just look up Norman Lear, Dan Harmon, you'll find it. It is a riveting hour of, of just uh, all of the insights of how he transformed television. It's great. And if you want to see All in the Family and the Jeffersons live, uh, outstanding variety special award winning live uh, episode, that's available on Hulu as well. Nicole, did you watch this? Are you into this at all? I haven't watched it, but I'm interested in watching it sometime. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious to yeah. see what they do this December, too. Hey, Tom, you know how normally we're always reporting on how cable television is losing all their subscribers? Guess what? Now we get yeah. to tell what's happening in the future. AT&T themselves forecast that they're going to lose 1.1 million TV customers in, in Q3. AT&T reported a net loss of 778,000 subscribers last quarter. Those numbers are for DirecTV and Uverse, not DirecTV Now, the over-the-top network, a.k.a. ATT Now. ATT lost uh, 168,000 subscribers from those over-the-top services but has not made a projection for q3 for them yeah a bunch of their investors are upset about them uh doing things with television that the investors <laughs> think they shouldn't have done so oh, you know. it's, uh, it's so unlike a giant mega corporation to just buy everything yeah. and decide it should do everything strange huh yeah Whoa. uh youtube is shutting off its tv friendly interface for web browsers uh, you'll still be able to get YouTube in a browser uh, on a home theater PC even, but you won't get that lean back interface uh, that it made it easier to use from across a room. Uh, I'm guessing that's because 
YouTube would like you to use their app uh, for some reason. I would also guess that, I mean, it costs money to keep that kind of stuff uh, up to date. Anytime you make an institutional yes. change, you have to make it across all your different stuff. And my guess is quite simply, not enough people were using it on desktops because if you have Roku, you're using the Roku app. If you have yep. an uh, iDevice, you're using that, that, that app. And if you're on a computer, you're almost certainly using the traditional desktop interface. But I will say that, is that tv.youtube.com interface almost always tended to mirror those app versions. Right, but you I, have to have a human touch that thing every single time there's a change made yeah. to it. And if nobody's mm -hmm. using it, then why are we paying this intern, you know, $50,000 a year? We're <laughs> shutting down more features. Go slash and burn Google. Listen, <laughs> listen Brian. <laughs> that is a perfectly reasonable and probably true reason. But the other more conspiratorial reason would be they don't want anyone, including Amazon with the Echo Show, remember, to use that interface to get around accepting the official YouTube app, which has more data collection for advertising than the web interface does. So oh, I think that, that is pretty might... good. Mm, that's a good, that's a good point. Very good point. Netflix's The Irishman from Martin Scorsese will get a centerpiece screening at the Rome Film Festival October 21st. This will be after its world premiere at the New York Film Festival on September 27th. The Irishman will also get a world premiere at the London Film Festival in mid-October in a limited theater run in November before arriving on Netflix. Man, a lot of buzz about The Irishman. Is this is this Oscar bait? Is, is that part of the reason everybody's so, so fired up for it? Yeah. And, well, yeah. also because it's Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Martin Scorsese. Uh, well, uh, and there's also the novelty of of so much de-aged footage of of these yep. beloved actors that that we totally take. that too. Yeah, mm -hmm. all of it. Scorsese on Netflix combined with that cast, with the technology of the de-aging and the 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 battle with theaters over exclusivity and the Oscar, but it's all it's all like a big big multiplier effect. Uh, you know what? Netflix is no longer the number one source of bandwidth consumption on the Internet. Brian, how many years have we reported on how much bandwidth Netflix uses? And it's always number one. Uh, I remember when it passed YouTube years ago. Yeah. Well, what, what was it like eight years ago? And and didn't didn't yeah. it overtake even BitTorrent? And uh, I guess yep, BitTorrent yep. isn't nearly as BitTorrent and its rearview yeah. mirror. Long time ago. Well, according to Sandvine, that new number one spot belongs to HTTP media streaming. Wait, what does what? that mean? That that means yeah, just the, the uh, aggregate of all things that aren't Netflix that are video? Pretty much. HTTP media oh. streaming has 12.8%. Netflix has 12.6%. Uh, the HTTP media stream category represents streaming services that the company has not yet tracked, that Sandvine has not yet tracked, like they do for Netflix, YouTube, et cetera. So a mm. lot of it are cable channel apps, uh, like your NBC, ABC, et cetera. Uh, U.S. internet pay TV service aimed at cord cutters like DirecTV Now, PlayStation View, et cetera are, according to Sandvine, still just a drop in the bucket. Yeah, I don't know. That's amazing that, that basically it's Netflix versus uh, everything not on the list. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like I mean, none of the above. pretty impressive still. But uh, you can look at it the other way, too, and be like, 
wow, those those video services never amounted to Netflix, but now they do. That means a lot more people are logging into those services with their either cable uh, login or their over-the-top login. You know what else is worth noting is that the streams, uh, the, the bandwidth of the streams has been fairly static. Yes, we've seen a bump up to 4K, which I assume means more, more traffic on there. But meanwhile, the overall pie of bandwidth has expanded exponentially over the last 10 years. So, so uh, there was a time in the chat, Open Bayou is pointing out that Netflix used to be 40% of all internet traffic. Let's say that number remains static. Let's say Netflix continued or even increased the amount of traffic that it does. does. But meanwhile, when all of the internet, all of the bandwidth expands, you know, a hundred times larger due to the rollout of gigabit fiber everywhere, all of a sudden it makes sense that it would be less than 12%. Yeah, and the the other ones on the list are YouTube, uh, IPTV from your operator, uh, uh, TLS, HTTP. That's the secure HTTP. That's sad that that <laughs> one's smaller. Uh, BitTorrent and Facebook. So basically, what they're saying is, if you broke MediaStream down even into its largest components, it wouldn't be bigger than Facebook yet. But you combine them all together, and it finally, everybody else is bigger than Netflix. So. I think that I think that is a useful data point. Yeah. Meanwhile, TVB, the trade organization for local TV stations, is working to convince advertising groups to use viewer impressions for ad deals instead of TV ratings. This would make it easier for advertisers to buy across multiple local outlets uh, beyond just local linear TV. Um I, I, I guess on the one hand, I commend the fact that they're catching up with the reality of metrics, but also I'm, I'm reading this book right now called Alchemy. It's from an advertising specialist who made a fairly compelling case for traditional broadcast advertisements because you're able to do something with those that you're not able to do, which is know for a fact that everyone is watching it at pretty much the exact same time, whereas mm -hmm. the the targeted stuff. So there, there's you, you're able to create these cultural gestalts or, or these these cultural, um, uh, uh, not gestalt, what, what's, what's the word I'm trying to think of? The Flash moments? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, zeitgeist? Zeitgeist, thank you, thank you. You're able to create that moment uh, for everybody at the same time. So I, I I think five years ago, Brian would would shout and say, finally, this is what makes sense. But current Brian is is like, well, I don't know, man. Maybe there is something to buy well, in. Well, I don't think this undermines that. This is saying, instead of us charging you based on ratings, why don't you let our ad slots on TV be part of the way you buy other advertisements? So when you come into New York, instead of going, okay, we're going to sit down with Channel 2 and decide how much money to spend on Channel 2, we would like to be part of that programmatic advertising. The, adver the advertisements, the commercials still show up the same way. Everybody sees them at once, right? Like you still get that advantage. And and in fact, TV stations may be relying on that as like, hey, and and by the way, when you buy it as an impression, guess what you're also getting? You're still getting this amazing way in which we deliver the advertisement. Yeah. But right now they're missing out on clients who are like, yeah, I don't want to have to go buy by ratings. I, I just want to buy by impressions. It's, it's about the shopping list of it, I think. All right, let's get to the dispatches from the front. We got uh, two emails responding uh, to our discussion last week of uh, Disney 
changing the Fox policy to match the Disney policy about how restrictive they are with movies playing in theaters. Disney doesn't like to show its movies in theaters. Uh, Tom wrote in and said, I drove by a billboard about 10 minutes after the Die Hard email from last week. It seems Disney is rethinking the policy on showing old movies in theaters. And it's a billboard talking about Disney Enchanted Tales showing at a local theater, uh, to which I responded to Tom, uh, far from rethinking its policy, it just found a theater willing to agree to the costs because it's not that Disney won't ever put their movies in theaters. They just want to make it a very special event. They want to do it rarely and they want to make a lot of money off of it. So uh, seeing that billboard, I don't think means they rethunk the policy, but that is interesting. Thank you for sending that along, Tom. And then Kurt said, if Disney is locking down the 20th Century Fox film catalog, will this include Rocky Horror Picture Show Midnight Screenings. And no, it will not. Rocky Horror specifically it was exempted from the policy according to multiple stories that I read last week. So good news. Uh, Dr. Frankenfurter is, uh, yes, Disney's latest evil queen in Kurt's, uh, Kurt's words, but he will not be restricted from being shown on your midnight movie screens. Got an email from Umbre saying, uh, glad to see the animated discussion about YouTube recommendations. As a developer who has dabbled with AI, wanted to share my thoughts. I often hear things like Brian claimed where you need to feed the algorithm or use its service more or use the service more. However, this is not always the case. AI basically analyzes data and matches patterns, yet human likes and dislikes are not always predictable. For example, Without AI and just through pure observation, when I watch a movie that'll be covered on Spoiler in Time, I know with nearly 100% accuracy whether Brian will like it or dislike it. In fact, I also know whether he will rant or rave about it. Tom, however, is more of an enigma. I only often know whether or not he will like or dislike it, and I'm sometimes surprised by what he might love or hate. In this case, Brian's preferences are predictable, but Tom's preferences are not. This also means that Tom's continued use of the service and broadcasted signals uh, and broadcasted signals might even add more junk data that would confuse the AI even more. As such, I'm not surprised that each of you had a unique take on this story. If your personal data has no obvious pattern or if your tastes are not in alignment with what the algo thinks is popular, then recommendations will be garbage. When Brian talks about his utopia with AI curated content stream, I can only see this as my own personal hell. I've fed many recommendation AIs with lackluster results. When Netflix last started de uh, delivering DVDs, I spent a whole week searching and rating movies I'd watched. At the end, I was completely, I completely broke the recommendations which gave a simple, we have nothing to recommend message. <laughs> even today, I have to wow. manually search for many shows as Netflix will not even bubble up stuff that I'm interested in on the main page feeds, which all are all recommendation and popularity based. If the AI works for you, then great. But, but think junk data and predictable and unpredictable individual taste account for many complaints about AI driven recommendations. The algo just can't handle things outside of what considers normal. Thanks for killing it. Umbre. Oh man, what a great letter. So very well put. Thank you for that. Yeah. Nicole, I'm actually curious if uh, you, you find the YouTube recommending uh, good things, bad things and different things when you use YouTube. It recommends the, it recommends, it recommends pretty well, but I, it, it almost it's almost it's almost too good because it recommends things that are within the realm of what I what it what it things I like. For example, like I like stand up comedy. So it shows me like a variety of stand up comedy things. But there are certain comics that I really hate. That I really do not like certain stand up comics a lot. And it shows them up too, because they're within the category of stand up comics, right? So like, yes, it's good that they recommended stand up comics as a category. But it's not smart enough to know that I don't like some of them mm. more than others. All right, <laughs> all right. 
no, yeah. that's interesting. That's interesting. So uh, <laughs> it's it, it kind of goes along with that email. It, it, yes, one of the best emails we've gotten. That's, that's amazing. Uh, Nicole, you also are amazing. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. If folks want to find more of what you're doing online, where should they go? Uh, you can just go to Engadget.com to see all my words and more for more of my words, but shorter versions of them. You can go to Twitter.com slash Nicole. 280 characters at a yes. time. <laughs> Our website is CordKillers.com. Our email address is CordKillers at gmail.com. We're live on Twitch.tv slash Night Attack, which is also carried on DiamondClub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you again next week. Hey guys, Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message at the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh my gosh, because I've got a name. you just supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors, look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. names in there. But some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cord killers and pledge $5 an episode and be one of these amazing people. Like this be one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>